welcome to Industrial Marketing Live. I'm Peyton Warren, a senior strategist at the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76, and I am one of your IML hosts. So before we jump into our topic today, uh, you've uh, likely heard me uh, go on this spiel, but we're super excited because we have a quick FYI and an invite. Gorilla76 is collaborating with some killer industrial marketing partners, True Marketing and Kadena's Part Solutions to host an in-person event that we are calling the Industrial Marketing Summit. It's gonna be taking place in Austin, Texas, January 31st through February 2nd. And we would just love to see you there if it's something that you're interested in. Um, if you want to learn more about the event, see who is going to be speaking. We've got some powerhouse speakers who are going to be coming panelists uh, too. And just go to industrialmarketingsummit.com and it's all there, all the details, registration info too. So it's going to be a great opportunity to learn from practitioners, much like what we do here in IML. Uh, so if you want to learn more or you have questions, feel free to just give me a shout on LinkedIn or um, really any gorilla can point you in the right direction. Cool. So now back to our scheduled programming. Uh, today we're talking about writing technical content that your customers want to read. And we have got some great technical writers joining our conversation today in the form of our Gorilla 76 content director, James Buckman, and writers Grace Halverson and Nihal Shetty. So let's talk about it. Um, Grace, James, Nihal, please say hello. Let people know where you're at on this uh, Zoom room. Hey, y'all. I'm Grace. Um, as Peyton said, I'm a writer on the content team. I've been at Gorilla for just over a year now. Um, if you're a regular here, you may have seen me um, earlier this summer to talk about brand narratives. If not, hi, nice to meet you. Um, I live in Washington, D.C., so it's all over the place. We're all over the place. Uh, happy to be here. Awesome, Grace. Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Nihal. I am the newest addition to Gorilla's content team, uh, but not for long. Um, we're hiring a new writer soon. Um, I am based out of Michigan, out of Detroit, but I split my time between here in Mexico City, so um, jump between there and here. And I am James, content director at Gorilla76. Um, folks may or may not recognize me from when we talked about email. It was email. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to be invited back and pleasantly surprised that I somehow earned it. <laughs> James. <laughs> of course you earned it. Um, well, uh, we're super happy to have you guys here. And I, I guess like the best place to start is, you know, what really is technical content when you're comparing it to like all the other kinds of content that are out there? I guess like technical content versus like narrative content or anything else. Um, and maybe James, I'll point that question back to you. Like, how would you define technical content? Um, I guess, you know, it would be any content with a, any content with technical information. Like, I, I think that like you're promoting a false dichotomy if you say that there's two types of content and there's narrative content and there's technical content and they are never the same. Mm -hmm. um, like, I think that that's like kind of the central problem. Um, 
like in in one way like if we're talking about technical content here we're probably just talking about content that um as one of its functions um builds trust by showing your expertise in the details um and like trying to narrow it down any further than that in my opinion is just like promoting some sort of false dichotomy that isn't there yeah, a thread that's already coming up in the chat, like a theme is uh, technical content definitely involves a lot of extra research, like heavy research. Um, Nihal, Grace, anything that you would add there? Not yet? All right. <laughs> I do think like, you know, within industrial marketing, a lot of times it, this can, can devolve. And it's not just on the written content, right? This happens in product pages where it's just like, we differentiate based off of our technical specifications, right? Our pump does this much gallons per minute. Our thing has this much horsepower. And it's like, well, are you really showing off your differentiators by just talking to like every pump pumps that a certain gallon per minute or a gallon per hour? Every engine has a horsepower, right? Like, so is that a big enough differentiator to your market? Maybe it is, but I think like to James's point, we probably need to weave in some more narrative pieces into this content to actually give it some bite and give it something that's actually going to be valuable to your customers instead of just, you know, a table with a bunch of numbers on it. Yeah, I mean, I guess like that brings us maybe forward to our, our next question, which is just like, why we even want technical content in the first place? Like, what value does it bring to your website or your your presence as a company and i'll turn that question to to really anyone here on the gorilla team i mean i think that the biggest the biggest thing that you do when you attempt to elevate technical content say like i'm thinking of what basically is a spec sheet delivered on a web page um is you know this is it's usually a product page and it's supposed to be kind of the last place. It's it's going to be the last place a customer needs to go before they decide I'm ready to click the button in the top right and talk to someone. And, you know, you really let yourself down when um, all you do is deliver basic information that allows them to make a decision um, and borderline invites them to look for a product page of one of your competitors. Um, it's like, why stop messaging here? Um, and if you, you know, choose to just leave the specs up there, you're just asking for a visitor to, you know, make their own decision about the specs. But what you could be doing is telling them why they should care about any of those in particular. Um, or you could be helping them choose what they're going to be buying. You could be helping them have a more productive conversation when they do reach out um, to a salesperson. Um, there's all sorts of things you could be doing. It's like just the biggest wasted opportunity to take a visitor who's built up enough intent to go to a product page and show them basically like a reformatted PDF um, with specs. Um so the goal is really the same as all the other content. It's to increase the desire your visitor has to purchase um, and increase their belief that you are the right person to purchase from. Um, and I, I think it's it's just one of the biggest gaps on a lot of industrial companies' websites is that they stop fighting that fight by the time someone gets to something like a product page. Yeah. Yeah. And also I would add on to this that. I think a lot of problems 
with product pages in terms of, you know, our efforts to encourage buying and things like this is that um, I think the aim for comprehensiveness when comprehensiveness is not the goal when it comes to effective marketing, right? Like not everything listed on your product page is going to be interesting or relevant or useful for um, your ideal customer. Um, so I think good technical content is judicious about editing out what is just fluff, but not even fluff, right? Because I mean, obviously someone put a lot of time into various aspects of this product, um, but we really need to center this around good positioning and make sure that our technical content lines up with that well. Right. And it's important to have the things that are the most important and then also explain why they're the most important. So for example, like if you have aluminum wheels, why, why would a customer care that it's aluminum wheels? What does that mean? How does that actually benefit them? Um, so having that context around it and not just spitting out facts and numbers is just vitally important, especially when you're picking which pieces you're adding context to that are the most important. Yeah, I think that keyword of context is just critically important. Um, because like James was saying at the outset of this, like if you're just putting the tech specs up there, it's a missed opportunity. You're letting them decide, is this the right product for me? Is this actually going to do what I need in my application? When you could be adding just a little bit of narrative um, in that context in to give them the confidence to move forward, to build additional credibility, more trust with your company instead of just leaving it at some some numbers uh, and letting them make that decision for themselves. Yeah, and I would say that it's sometimes you are you are not delivering expertise if you are not giving context. Um, one example that I know Brendan and I worked on together for a client that um, you know we talked about. There are a couple for this one client. We, we've written a lot of technical content about custom cable assemblies, um, and we wrote a piece about ingress protection ratings for connectors. And there are 800,000 articles on the internet about ingress protection ratings for cable connectors. And not one, all of them say the same thing and they all have the same chart is the standard official chart. This is the only chart that talk, that contains IP ratings. And None of these other articles say the thing that's really meaningful to our client's audience, which is if you need a waterproof connector, don't freaking bother with any of these ratings except for one of them. It is You don't save any money getting an IP63 rated ca cable connector over an IP67 rated connector. And quite frankly, the IP67 rated connectors are more readily available. So just get the good one. Like there's you can do that like you're allowed to go beyond relaying information and deliver some amount of point of view and quite frankly it is the only way to earn the respect of people with their own point of view the people that are coming to the web page have thoughts about these things and um you're just going to disappoint them if you don't share your own there has to be you know some kind of movement beyond um, relaying just any information that I could get from ChatGPT in 0.5 seconds. What is what does IP rating mean? Yeah. Um, it's just got to go beyond that. 
And I think, you know, it, to me, this gets into how do you position your company, right? If you want to be a commodity company that is racing your competitors to the bottom on price, then yeah, just go with the standard IP chart and let your customers figure it out because you're the cheapest option. So they can do more work on the front end. But if you are positioning yourself as a thought leader, as the expert in cable assembly or automation machines or ovens or whatever it is you make, you need to put a little bit more work into defining you know what is your position on the tech specs that are out there the standard answer um that is how you separate yourself and how and it turned that to me then turns you into a differentiator as well right we provide expert advice based on these things and not just because we have the doodad hmm. also james in the chat uh nick was saying oh i think you saw it that <laughs> he's been deep in ip67 land so um he can relate um yeah, I think uh, the other thing that came up kind of during our prep call too, and I think this was either Brendan or James that brought this up, but like if you're not going to take the time to add that context to the piece, you're just creating content that's purely for that commodity buyer, right? That demand capture. Like they know exactly what they want. They just want to see the spec. They want to see you have the doodad. Yeah. Cool. Great. Check. Buy it. Um, but if you're trying to create more of a demand generation marketing program or content that's going to encourage people to take that next step, next step because they trust the thought leadership that you're putting out there, then you've got to create something more engaging than just like numbers on um, a table. And when it like comes down to it, every company has a product with technical specifications or a service that does a has technical specifications. So that is not your that to me can't be your differentiator. Yeah, sure, maybe your pump does five more gallons per minute. Like that's cool. What does that actually mean though? Like what is the value that 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 provides? Um, and I think like you putting that onus on the customer to figure out for themselves uh, is a step too far. Nobody wants to do that work. So you'd be the expert and you'd describe like, this is what the extra five gallons per minute is actually going to do for you. Or this is what this extra horsepower will do. Or maybe, you know, this reduction in energy, what this actually will do for you. You need to put a little bit more of that work as the marketer on top of, you know, the expert advice you get from your engineers and your, you know, application engineers and all the salespeople. Put that work in there and, and help the customer, like walk the, walk the dog a little bit on what does this actually mean for you? Um, I, I think that just comes down to like in anything that you're doing on marketing, like why waste the real estate on your website if you're not going to get the most bang for your buck out of it? And I don't yeah. think like we're not saying like, yeah, it probably is important to put your horsepower and your flow rates and the energy requirements on there because those are important questions that engineers are going to ask about your product and it could be a deal breaker. But just to like put the chart on the on the website and say that's it is it doesn't go far enough, I don't think. Unless, like I said, you're just like in some Granger catalog and you're just still on a thing. Yeah, I guess like the analogy that comes to mind here, for me at least, is um like I feel like there's two kinds of recipes on the internet, right? There's recipes that just tell you exactly what to do, and there's recipes that come with like a whole lot of backstory, a whole lot of personal, like this is my great great mother's recipe or whatever, right? And I think ideally for technical content, we don't want either of these things. You know, we don't want um, irrelevant context and we don't want to be just, you know, purely the facts either. Right. I mean, we do want purely facts, but in a different sense. Um, and I guess where I'm going with this is, I mean, I know we've been using this term context. Right. Um, and part of this comes down to. Um, but I think it's helpful to get a little more specific about what good context looks like. And I know people have been using have been addressing this already, but. Um, 
I think there's a trap often when we're like evaluating content to just say like, oh, it's about good writing. Um, I think we even do this in like Gorilla itself. And I don't think that's a really helpful distinction because good writing looks different, right? Um, if I was to talk about, you know, if I was to write, for example, like in an ad, this is the best industrial heating solution. Someone at Gorilla would write, like, really call me out and say, I mean, what does that mean? What does it mean to be the best industrial heating solution? Are you, you know, the most energy efficient one? Are you one that doesn't lead to any cold spots? Um, what does that look like? But if I was to say, like, this is the best romantic comedy of the year, people would be like, oh, that makes sense. That is an understandable claim to make, right? So I think to me, providing context really comes down to what we've already addressed, which is I'm being very clear, and this, again, comes from good positioning, about what is the specific benefit that this offers to our target audience um, and cutting out all the fluff that isn't relevant to them, I think, in some way. Yeah, and Julie said something. I'm looking for it again here. Um, like, we, we've been talking a lot about basically, like, how to make specs better, how to make the product page better. But there's like another direction here. And there's plenty of technical articles that are not product pages. And yes, um, it's pretty, it might be pretty easy for you to identify content on your website now that is not technical enough, um, that fails to go beyond like a standard level of discourse about a broad subject mm -hmm. and and is afraid to get into those details and it kind of deconstruct why they matter. Um, you know, you, you might have content now that's, you know, okay, well, this is a blog post, so we don't want to go there. Um, you know, we'll save that for the spec sheet. There's, there's places for technical detail in blog articles and in um, really in any content it's, it comes down to, um, knowing what your prospect cares about and then just proving it. It's just like another way to prove it is to add those details. Um, like if you say that you can, you know, that you deliver, that you, in, that your equipment installs faster than anyone else's equipment. Like I want to know, I want to know how long it takes to install I want to know why it only takes that long. Like these are questions that the reader is just going to have when they see that. Um, and it's like claims are always triggers for places where you can get technical. If you're selling to engineers and you make a claim, the best way to back the claim up is with um, the technical information that supports it. Um, so I, I think that it's kind of like a two-way street that the only thing that you can do is not beef up, you know, your technical details with narrative, you can also support um, your, you know, narratives with technical details. You're supposed to be doing both, in my opinion. We had a great question come up from like related to that, James, um, come from Sarah in the chat. Uh, Sarah, would you like to unmute and chat with us a little bit today? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we can. How are you? Hi. Yeah, good. Thanks. Good. Good. It's a little bit late in the afternoon over here, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's good getting dark. Um, yeah. So my question is basically, I'm I'm non-technical. Um, most of our marketing people are non-technical, um, and it's just sort of kind of you know we know that you need to get to the the nub of what everyone the customers what they find interesting, but it's not always easy to know what that is and obviously asking sales guys that's the sensible thing to do 
but they're usually busy out seeing customers. So just interested in has anyone else come up across that issue and, and found a good way around it? Yeah, I that I, I love for the writers to jump in here too, but I, I think you have to try to make it a priority for whoever it is you're talking to to have a conversation with you to get their insight. Cause I like you're right. Like I'm also not a technical person. Um, I didn't do any engineering classes, barely passed math, all those things. And so like I don't know, there's if this is an important thing for your company, like this is, this is part of the marketing plan. We need to get some buy-in from leadership and from our subject matter experts to help tell the story and be that differentiation for us. So, um, you know, I would probably, uh, sales is probably not the first department I'm knocking on to, uh, to get some help here. You know, I'm probably talking to some engineers or some more people on the technical side and operations potentially. Uh, and, you know, make it really easy for them. Like you don't have to have them write the piece, but ask them for, you know, 30 minutes just to go and sit down over lunch, maybe marketing pays for it. And, you know, you ask your questions there, record it, and then you can use that to help craft the piece that you're looking for. Like we're like, you know, we're trying to like figure out like, what is the language that the engineers are using? Um, you know, what is like, how do they see the world? What is their perspective on this? Um, what do they think is the impact that our products are having on our customers? Um, so I would I would really highly suggest like trying to just figure out ways to make this a priority for engineers. And if that is, you know, leadership telling them they will sit down with marketing for 30 minutes, then maybe that's the thing. It's not a great yeah. answer, but like, I, I don't know, like, I just I wouldn't feel comfortable myself as a marketer, you know, sitting by myself where you are at and like just trying to like write what James talked about with that, you know, the IP, I don't even know the the cable connector thing. Like I would never be able to really come up with that myself. Maybe so like really extensive research potentially, but I think I would still be missing like, what is that punchy, you know, context in my point of view on this thing? Like, I just wouldn't be able to do that without having an expert with me. Yeah. Okay. No, that's that's basically the the approach we're taking. I'm just wondering whether other people have, have had that thing, but I like the, you know, yeah, make it a, a three-line whip that you have yep. to actually <laughs> sit down. Tara, and do who it. owns the customer relationship for you all? Is that sales? Is that customer success? That's sales. Yeah. Because okay. um, because that's, I think a that's kind of the the highest level unlock that you can have is to talk about these things with the customer like face to face or over zoom just because like the the best technical content will know whether the audience care whether whether the ideal audience is measured on rolled throughput yield or scrap rate you know like those two things look and sound different they're basically the same thing like but but it matters when you go ahead and you know you're giving someone information about like especially in a very technical case study you know decreasing someone's scrap rate um doesn't mean as much to someone who is measured on roll throughput yield um because even though the effect is the same but it, the the effect that you can have on the prospect um, by speaking in their exact language and helping them visualize just exactly how this really complex machinery is going to sit on their floor and change the way their boss talks to them um, and so on and so forth is kind of like, that would be like the highest level unlock. Um, and sometimes it helps you ask better questions, I would say, to like if if you spend all your time with your engineering team, the thing you're missing is going to be how would my customer talk to my engineering team, um, and what would they ask? 
Um, and it, yeah. it'll level you up really fast in like how to get the right perspective from like how to loosen the engineers up and ask them questions that aren't just technical and get the right answers from them then, um, in my opinion. Okay, no, thank you. The one other thing I would add to, um, just as like an idea, and this is definitely more time consuming, but like, if you really have a team that's not going to make the time, um, I would just lurk in the spaces where they hang out. Um, like I would like take the time to, uh, this has come up a lot on this show, like walk the floor, spend time with the engineers, um, start to hear how they're talking about it. Maybe you can attend, um, any sort of like trade show and just like stand and shadow in the booth uh, when those conversations are happening. Or maybe there's even like recordings of sales calls you can revisit to like hear some of those phrase, the phrases that they're using um, and pull those in to level up the phrasing um, in your content too, to sound more technical than um, how you feel right now. Um, But that's definitely like, I think more time consuming on, on your side. Um, and so it's nice when the sales team or when the engineering applications engineers make the time and they say, okay, yeah, I can sit down for 30 minutes and just like spell it out. Um, but if they won't, there are other ways I think that you could do it too. Okay. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Salim, I see that you have some ideas. Yeah. Um, uh, being, being part of the engineering team for a long time and being as a marketer on the other side, uh, I found success in being in conversations between sales and engineering teams and just being that presence that just questions and challenges every statement because engineering teams start with a product and then try to market it. So when they come in with a, uh, quote unquote, innovative product, they say, all these features are, are amazing. When a marketer starts asking, like, why is this amazing? and you start getting them to explain why these are amazing, uh, you either get to a better understanding on why and you figure out the positioning, or you get them to realize that maybe these are not the features that we want to market and want to figure out which features uh, we want to market. So if you're not able to get dedicated meetings about this, just ask to be on other meetings and just be a little disruptive presence. Sometimes it yields some great results. Totally agree. We had some other cool approaches in the chat. So first, I'd like, Nick, if you could hop on here, unmute yourself, and I'd love for you to come just kind of share the framework you're using, um, you know, kind of like the storytelling, like journey that you're doing with your technical content. I, it was interesting. So I'd love for the the whole team to hear this. Yeah. So, um, excuse me. Hey, everybody. I'm Nick. Um, so th- that framework I posted in the chat is basically, you know, where you're at today, what's the negative consequences of that or the pain points, where do you want to be? And, you know, what, what does that mean for your business? And then going to like requirements, metrics, and then why does your company, you know, provide a better solution? It's actually kind of a sales framework um, that I used at my last company. But the interesting thing is like, if you take away the sales side of it, right, it's still a storytelling to like get someone invested in why your solution is useful to them. Um, and you'll notice that you only talk about your stuff right at the end, right? So it's like, it's taking them on a journey and then eventually getting to the point of like, okay, you've earned their, you know, I don't know, respect enough to talk about yourself. Um, but it's useful to think about even from a framework of 
technical content. So it's like, hey, look, if I give you a speeds and feeds thing, that's wonderful. But that spec sheet isn't useful unless you know that like, okay, cool. This is a solution or a product that is in the right space to solve my problem. And now that I know it is, here's the speeds and feeds that, you know, I maybe care about, uh, you know, for whatever, right? So like maybe your pump can pump fast enough, but it's not for the right application. You still got to take them on that journey. Yeah. Um, the second thing that that's really useful for, if you keep that in mind, is even when you're asking customers, salespeople, engineers interviews, because you want to think about like, how can I map that back to that framework? Right. So like, you know, even, you know, I am an engineer. So going into um, customer interviews with other engineers is pretty easy. But I also then have to go back and oftentimes explain that to a marketing team, product team, sales team, all of whom may have varying degrees of sort of technical ability. Um, and so if you think about mapping that back to like where it falls on that kind of storytelling thing, um, it gives you some ideas where if someone's like, oh, well, this machine breaks a lot. And it's like, OK, cool. Like, why does that machine break? And also, what does that mean to you if that breaks? Or like, why is that important to you? So you kind of keep asking all those why questions around like, yeah, great, we can solve this thing. But like, why is it important that you solve this? Or why does it matter to your job? And and then, you know, kind of going even back, like, why does it matter to your team or your department? Like, what are those things that you care about? Um, so even like, you know, there even as a technical person going into like, you know, I've gone to some like foundries and stuff before where I didn't necessarily know why specific things were were useful. So you just keep asking those like, hey, look, I don't I'm not familiar with this. So like, why is that important? Or like, what does that mean, you know, for the company, the business, the team, et cetera? Um, but anyway, asking those questions and then kind of mapping it back to that framework is sort of a framework of most storytelling. So it gives you a nice uh, like skeleton, even if your eventual thing is a product page, you know, with text backs at the end of it on a website. Totally. Cool. Thanks, Nick, for sharing. Um, and then Coylan, if you would like to hop on and talk about what you shared in the chat about your two pager, uh, I thought that was really interesting, like a, like a how to like how you guys did one this in one particular instance. So if you would like to jump on, I'd love to hear that story. Sure. Can you hear me all right? Yep, we got you. Yep. You're so, live on IML. You're live. <laughs> My face isn't right now, but that's okay. Um, okay. okay, so the the story behind what I shared over there was we, we have a lot of technical content. Um, some of it's disparate here and there. Um, much of it is geared towards people who are very technically savvy, obviously. And so a lot of the folks that we'll talk to at trade shows don't even know that technical content exists and they don't even know to ask for it, but they'll ask, they ask specific questions, which led us to pull, let's say three or four pieces of technical content from those technical data sheets, then combine it with a little bit of a uh, social proof and a little bit of um, kind of education on, on pain points that they may not know about in the first place. So it really is just kind of a matter of completely separate from the content that we built, which is more academic in nature. We were just listening to what people were asking, pulling the relevant data into just kind of an, an easy to digest sheet um, that has a little more of the social proof and and visual visually compelling examples on there of why what they might be looking for for a solution. So, awesome! I posted that two pager in the chat too. If folks wanted to open it up and take a peek, awesome. I like the, that you have the social proof added in there too, because it's like, it's like, it, like we were talking about at the very beginning of this, it's like technical doesn't have to just mean dry um, 
you want to weave in all the different components of it and you want to add credibility however you can. Um, and so that could just be from like your expertise, like we're showing you, we have, we, we have this product that does this thing that you need. Great. Um, it works really well, but then also here are these people, real companies, real partners of ours that have used this product and have had success. So it's just like another layer on that, that boosts your credibility. So I think that's really cool how you've got that all like woven in together. And it's not like it's super long either. Like no one's going to like die reading this. Like whenever we're talking about technical content that you want to read, it's like, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. a 10 page novella. You know, it could be, it can still be brief and technical. Yep. Exactly. And a little bit of context behind that is these are people who are walking through a trade show floor where they have 30,000 participants. There are 1500 vendors. And so they don't have time to read through everything. And so that keeping that short was important. It's also important when you're thinking about running campaigns on social media or even just like people on the website, like people don't want to spend 10 minutes on your website most times, unless, you know, you have a really cool website, I guess. But uh, so cool. I'd like to come back, you know, Grace, Nihal and James, how do we actually like, how do we do this? Right. We talked about, we have all these technical specifications, right? We have, um, you know, our list of features and benefits. We have the things that differentiate us. And you also talked about needing a point of view. So like, how do you develop that point of view and how do you weave that into technical content? One way to do that in a way that I've done that recently is I was writing for a client that had two slightly different things that did almost the same thing, but in like very different circumstances. So it's important to like, in that situation, you had like, okay, when does this one work? When does this one not work? And why should you use one over the other? And in which situations? So like giving advice like that and saying like, hey, um, this hydraulic thing will not work in this situation and you should use this other one. Um, But in the other, like vice versa, this mechanical one will not work when you need a hydraulic to do this. And like actually taking a stance and saying like, well, it doesn't really come down to preference. Like, no, this one will not work in this situation. Um, And just being like firm and stating your opinion and like backing that up with why that is the case helps to like take a stance and build expertise. Yeah, I'd say like to piggyback off that, the the easiest way to build a point to to have a point of view in something that you're writing is to write something that makes someone else wrong. Like like can I write I something see. that like I need to I you got to draw a line and say which side you're on. Um, and you know, there's, that's like, it's kind of just like a trick or like, just like a common best, best practice is such a general term for it, but it's advice that you get a lot when you're like learning how to write, um, which is basically like, you haven't said anything (laughs) if, if everybody is still like, if every single person on earth is still on board, like you have not said anything of definite point of view perspective value like you the window in is to say something that makes someone wrong if if it's you know you should not be designing machine tools with horn pins in applications with volumes over x because xyz um that is like you're laying bare your point of view that high volume machining needs something more simple and durable 
I, I could be butchering the value of horn pins. Um, I, that must We're technical have... to a point, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that is, that's like an easy thing to do in theory. Like it, it doesn't take a lot to look at your content and determine whether you are, whether you are, have a stance. Um, the harder part is figuring out maybe like, what is our, what is my company's stance? You know, presumably by the time you're looking at, you know, making content, you've already done positioning. There's, you know, kind of step one into understanding what is my company's perspective on the market? Um, but beyond that, I think the only, something that might be helpful that I've been blessed with the opportunity to do for a client is just talking to the same person all the time. So like all of my content about cable assemblies was, has been driven by interviews with the same exact person. And that person just haps, happens to have a lot of experience with the company in a lot of different roles, kind of has a breadth of expertise, but also just like is deeply connected to who this company is. Um, and like that is someone that if you only get time with that person, you can just figure out I'm, everything I do is going to sound like Jeff, like every single thing I do. If I write it and it doesn't sound like Jeff would write it, then I messed up and I need to talk to Jeff again. Um, and over time, you start making something that actually feels human. Um, and it feels like one particular human. And it's the voice of, you know, this company. And that's like the long, slow, hard work way into like a real depth of point of view that readers can understand at like a subconscious level. Yeah. And going off that, um, and I guess this is kind of tangentially related, but also related to Rachel's question or point that she put in the chat, um, which is that um, to me, one of the hardest things about talking, so a classic gorilla piece, a classic piece that we write a lot is things like, um, what we don't do, like uh, what we do and what we don't do, right? As as a company, right? Or for you, you know, when we're writing for a client. So what this client does and what this client doesn't do, right? Um, and there's a lot of pushback often when I'm interviewing um, people about this because a lot of clients want to say, "Oh, we'll do anything, right? Like just come talk to us." And well, of course, like we don't want to figure it out, right? We'll figure it out, right? Um, and always like the challenge for me is explaining that like the point of saying something like this about saying like you know these are the things that we so for example, I have one of my clients is a systems integrator, right? Um, and they are they are like solutions agnostic. So a lot of systems integrators work directly with equipment manufacturers um, and they operate as like kind of, you know, an appendage of that equipment manufacturer. And so um, it was a struggle to get one of my interviewees to say that, you know, we don't really like working with people who are already committed to a certain equipment brand because that really hamstrings our work because we can't come up with you know, flexible solutions. Um, and I think that basically the way this interview had to go was I had to eventually just say that, um, you know, listen, like we're not doing this to shut out bad customers. We're doing this because if you go out and say that, you know, we do everything, we love to help, you know, just come talk to us. Um, even if that might be true, it also weakens your position, right? It doesn't, it doesn't give you a stance. It doesn't give you a point of view. It doesn't give you an identity, right? Um, and so it is a challenge, right? Because, you know, it does feel good to be flexible. And of course, you know, we all want to help everyone who comes and seeks our services, right? 
Um, but if you stop thinking about like what we don't do as turning away customers or even turning away bad fit customers so much as like solidifying an identity for yourself and for your own niche, um, it becomes a lot easier to kind of get that work through and make your content a lot more accessible in general. Yeah. And in terms of like trust building about, you know, if I'm trying to sell someone the, um, the Mercedes of, you know, ovens, um, the, the easiest way to build trust that someone should in fact spend $850,000 on an industrial oven is to let them know when they shouldn't like in what applications can you buy a used, like, can you find some other business? that is getting rid of old equipment and buy theirs. And like in what applications can you build something on your own as long as you can fabricate four panels of metal? Um, in what applications, like it's, it's important to make really clear when this thing that you're offering that is special and different is not for you. Um, and that's like the the easiest way to have a point of view. The hardest part is like, convincing people that don't do marketing uh, that you should be allowed to do that and publish it on the website. And sometimes it's just like, sometimes that education that seems so simple and just like explaining why that is valuable for trust building. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. Um, sometimes it can't happen, but I think, yeah, the big reason why Gorilla does that so much is we it's pretty easy to know when a client would benefit from content like that um, early on in us understanding the client. Like you don't, you don't tend to need a ton of expertise from our perspective to know when that's valuable. Um, and it's not a hard thing to write either. Um, and I, I think that the hard part is just like getting someone to say that it's okay to tell people when they shouldn't be buying your equipment. Um, but there is a time and a place for that. And yeah. And yeah. if you're having troubles getting that approved, it's always possible to come at it from the opposite angle too, in terms of these are four characteristics that if you meet, you should work with somebody like us or somebody who has like a high level of um, whatever product you need. But if you don't meet these four or three, four like characteristics, you can probably work with somebody else. Um, so that way it's same thing basically, but just a slightly different angle on it. And, you know, I think this makes me think back to like the foundational marketing and like how things have changed over the last 10 years plus, uh, of like, just like the buying process has changed, right. In a sales call, that sales rep is qualifying the lead. They're deciding if that person needs to move forward to the next conversation. Marketing can do that too with content. We want to get high intent quality leads to fill out that request to quote form. We don't want to get noise. We don't want to get people who are just going to keep our sales team, which is probably limited and already strapped for capacity, just busy answering questions that they don't need to answer. And so if your content can do some of that for you, then why the heck not? That's what I have to say. <laughs> um, well, I know we're at time here a little bit over, um, but I did want to also just share some advice um, that came up in our prep call. Um, 
if you're struggling to come up with ways to like, like prompts or like what to talk about blog content articles, whatever, a book that we really love at gorilla is called they ask, they ask you answer, um, by Marcus Sheridan. We love it so much. Actually, Joe Sullivan, our founder has like a, he's like quoted in the beginning of the book with like praise, like he like, cause he loves the book so much. He's commented on Amazon and they pulled it in anyway. He didn't know they were doing that. It's kind of just a funny little aside, but uh, definitely recommend that book. Uh, we all read it here at Gorilla when we start the company, if we haven't already. And um, it just gives you a lot of context into like, or a lot of ideas into what type of content you could be creating. Um, so yeah. Uh, anything else, uh, Brendan, Aaron, James, anything you guys want to say to like kind of tie things up here at the end? I would just say, Everything you put on your website, everything you put on your social media, on YouTube, in your videos, in your sales presentations is another touch point for you to move somebody closer to working with you. And you want to make sure that, to me, every word, paragraph, piece that you do leads someone down that road to wanting to work with you. So just be wary of what you put out into the world because... Every little thing that kind of coalesces together to show off like who your company is and what your positioning is. And make sure all the things that you are writing align with what you want to position yourself as as a company um, to include all of your technical content and everything else on your site. Yeah, I just retweet what Brendan said um, that it's not in, in a different way it would be you cannot let off the gas pedal um, with messaging at the product page and the spec sheet. Um, even if it's a downloaded table that someone is clicking and downloading a table, that is still another point at which you've got to be closing. (laughs) Like at that point, you've got to be closing them into a lead. Like you have got to be making a statement. You have got to be increasing desire. Um, yeah, because that's just a person who is trying to buy and they're just trying to make this decision ahead of time. And if you're not giving them uh, your differentiators, your context, your positioning at all of these points, then you're just missing massive opportunity. Well, a uh, huge thank you to Grace, Nihal, and James for joining us today on Industrial Marketing Live. This was an awesome conversation. Also, thank you to everyone that came on uh, the show and shared your perspective, what's working at your company and what how you've been able to do this or just ask questions too. It's all really, really awesome and just great to see so many people here on the show together live. And I know this is going to be... Uh, helpful technical content that we'll push out on the podcast and in YouTube. And so excited to have this be created for other folks in our space. Um, our next IML, we've only got two left for the year. Can't believe it. Um, it is on December 7th and we are finally, finally, I swear it's happening. We're going to bring in Nick Tacconi our senior videographer, who's actually on a shoot right now, um, which is why our show got uh, switched around a little bit today. But he's going to come to talk about the art of creating high-value product content, um, films, that really, really nice polished uh, video that we all just want and our leadership teams would love to have. Um, so this has been an episode I've been trying to schedule since the spring and I'm just really excited to have Nick come on and talk to us 
next time. Um, and then if you do want to keep the conversation going about this or anything else we've talked about on IML this year, please do uh, join us in our Slack community. Uh, if you want to join, just put a note in the chat here right now and I'll get you added today. Otherwise, uh, you can always reach out to any gorilla on LinkedIn and we can get you in there too. Uh, and then that's about it. Uh, anything on the manufacturing marketer, Brendan? No, we're still putting episodes out weekly. Uh, so this episode will come out next week. Uh, Aaron, what what's even going live this week? We, I think our conversation with John Joyce, right? Is what went live yesterday, I think. Yep. From yeah, we're yeah. talking about lead management and kind of like integrations uh, that need to happen with that. Yes. And John Joyce is also a speaker at the Industrial Marketing Summit. So I'll just drop that one more time nonchalant here um, <laughs> at the end, industrialmarketingsummit.com if you want to learn more about that and hear more from John Joyce. So uh, thank you, everyone. Hope you have a great rest of your day and your week. And uh, we will see you next time. Bye.